Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support a planet of plenty. I'm Tom Martin, and in this edition of Ag Future, we're discussing the use of zinc oxide set to be banned by the European Union as a veterinary medicinal product in 2022. Joining us from Dunboyne, Ireland, is Jules Taylor-Picard, director of Alltech Gut Health Management. Dr. Taylor-Picard is a nutritionist obtaining her Ph.D. specializing in piglet gut health, physiology, and immunity. In her role at Alltech, she focuses on providing solutions to optimize animal performance and efficiency. Welcome, Jules. Thank you, Tom. Was zinc oxide seen as a solution after the use of antibiotics was banned in Europe over concerns about increasing levels of antimicrobial resistance? Absolutely, yes. Um, So producers discovered that antibiotics had the ability to promote growth as early as the 1940s. And then in in the decades that followed, producers actually relied quite heavily on antibiotic growth promoters, particularly in pre-starter and starter seeds. Uh, for piglets to control those pathogenic infections. Um, So it was common practice until various governmental bodies banned the use of antibiotic growth promoters. So in the European Union, that was in 2006 that that was brought into practice. And they banned the antibiotic growth promoters because of concerns over antimicrobial resistance. And what was interesting in the European Union when they banned them in 2006, a lot of producers, they, they carried on using the antibiotics to what we would call the 11th hour. So they used it right up until they were banned and the, sco- the stocks had diminished. And all they simply did really was, was move to zinc oxide. They knew it worked. It was readily available. So they didn't have to deal with as big of a problem as what they're going to have to now when we look at zinc oxide because they had something that they could just easily switch switch over to. Well, why has the use of high levels of zinc oxide in swine nutritional diets increased so dramatically in recent years? Quite simply, it works. So it helps to decrease the incidence of scouring that we typically see in the post-weaning period, helps to maintain daily live weight gain, reduce susceptibility to disease. It's relatively inexpensive. It's readily available. And of course, we're seeing increasing regulation just around normal antibiotic use and so not just antibiotic for, for growth promotion which is obviously banned in the European Union and there's many beneficial effects of zinc oxide so improvements in digestion immunity it has antibacterial actions improvements in intestinal morphology and integrity and enhanced antioxidant capabilities all those things that help to get that piglet through that critical uh, post-weaning period. But now there is this EU ban beginning next summer on the use of high levels of zinc oxide in piglet diets. What's the problem with zinc oxide in piglet growth and health? So there's a number of issues. First one would be toxicity. We don't actually see that too much, but you can get toxic effects of um, zinc in the pig if it's fed for too long. Now, typically they'd feed it for, for two weeks, which isn't too bad. And I should also say that when we're talking about high levels of zinc oxide, we're talking about around 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 ppm, whereas the requirement for zinc for the pig is 150 ppm. So we're not talking about meeting the nutritional requirements of the piglet for zinc. We're talking about these, these elevated levels. So if you fed them for a prolonged period of time, you can get toxicity in the pig, which we don't see too much of. But of course, there's environmental issues because you're getting zinc excretion into the manure which is then applied to the land. 
There's also issues with zinc oxide accelerating um, antibiotic resistance genes um, and the spread of antibiotic resistance. Um, there's an increase in heavy metal and tolerant genes um, and the spread of that. And you also get modification of the microbiota or the micro microbial population. So there's a number of concerns that, that, that are genuine around the use of zinc oxide. You just touched on this. There have been recent reports highlighting the environmental impact of zinc oxide. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, yeah. So like I say, the main issue is related to the environment because the pig will just, actually for itself, it will just utilize the zinc that's required for maintenance and growth, which, as I said, is about 150 ppm. So anything that it doesn't use is then excreted into the manure. And obviously, we have to get rid of that manure, so we apply it to the land. Um, and due to the non-volatile and non-degradable physical chemical properties of zinc, the long-term continuous application of manure onto crops and land progressively increases the concentration of zinc into the soil. And then you also obviously get that into the groundwater. There was an interesting study that was published that looked at zinc levels between the period of 1986 and 2014 from lands that had the application of slurry from pig farms where they'd been using zinc oxide. Now, they saw a greater soil zinc concentration of 2 to 5%, which doesn't seem very much. But when you look at the latter period between 1998 and 2014, there was an average increase of over 24%. And obviously, there's, there's the risk, of, as I said, of it getting into the water, affecting aquatic species um, as well. Now, we do have risk mitigation measures in place, which are implemented, such as manure dilution, ensuring that any manure is spread from a safe distance from surface waters. Um, but the European Medicines Agency um, concluded that these precautions just simply delay the inevitable, really which is why we're seeing the ban next year. How has zinc oxide turned out to contribute to the spread of antimicrobial resistance? So there's quite a few um, studies and reports showing that zinc oxide does contribute to antimicrobial resistance. And that's because the high levels of zinc oxide can increase the proportion of multi-resistant um, E. coli in the intestines of pigs, for example. And some other studies have shown that you can get an increase in persistence and prevalence of methicillin-resistant staphylococcus, for example. And they thought that that's probably due to the co-localisation of zinc and methicillin in resistant genes. Um, you also get a diffusion of resistant genes amongst E. coli inside the intestine of the pig. So you're enhancing it in the pig, which is a reservoir, if you will, to enhance that resistance even further. So then you see more resistance in the faeces, in the digester, um, and in the colon. Um, and you also have an issue with heavy metal tolerant E. coli, and a lot of those isolates have been um, identified, which can further jeopardise the efficacy of zinc oxide. So there's quite a few concerns around this whole resistance um, issue. Can pharmaceutical level doses of zinc oxide in the early post-winning periods suppress the growth of beneficial bacteria? Yeah, now again, this is interesting because the the actual mode of action of zinc oxide is, is really poorly understood. We just know that it that it works and it helps get that baby pig through that post-weaning period. But the impact on the intestinal microbiota isn't that clear-cut. So there is some data that suggests only minor or transient modifications to the hindgut bacterial population. 
whereas other studies suggest a remarkable effect on those populations. And some do show a suppression of the growth of the beneficial bacteria, such as lactobacilli, showing that you get a reduction. But the modulatory activity of zinc oxide on those commensal microbiota, it's thought resembles the activity of growth-promoting antibiotics, so suppresses the gram-positive species without actually directly affecting the gram-negative strains, bringing uh, the effect to lower the bacterial activity, the ATP or the en uh, energy concentration in the gut of piglets, which makes more energy available for the host at the cost of, of losing those some beneficial bacteria. So although you might be losing some beneficial bacteria, we do ultimately see the improvements in performance in the pig. So even though you are getting that suppression, any beneficial bacteria is thought to be short-term and transient and, and not at the loss of, of performance. Will the EU ban on zinc oxide apply to all animal feeds or is it specific to feeds intended for piglets? It's specific to feeds intended for piglets because being able to use these high pharmacological levels of zinc oxide is under veterinary prescription. But what they found is that the veterinary prescriptions are used quite, quite broadly, and, and that only applies to the pig sector. So it is purely for, for the pigs. Why is it essential to optimize gut structures and microbial populations in piglets? So... As you probably know, at weaning, piglets are subject to a multiple uh, or a multitude of stresses over a short period that contributes to disturbances within the gastrointestinal tract and immune system. So some of those stresses, they could be nutritional, so you're changing um, the diet from, from sour's milk to a dry, solid, pelleted diet that they're not used to. You're changing their environment, so they're moving from being in the farrowing house with the sow to nursery accommodation, uh, mixing of litter mate. You've got health-based issues, so you've lost that passive immunity from the sow that's, that's coming in the milk. Um, they tend to be immunocompromised because they're stressed. Um, and then maternal separation, mixing with, with other pigs. But what you do tend to get is you get a low feed intake during that immediate post-weaning period. And when you get that low feed intake, you get significant changes in the structure of the villi in the gastrointestinal tract. So... If any of you have seen a, a structure of a good uh, gut, they've like a nice, tall, finger-like villi. They have quite a thin wall over which to absorb nutrients. So nutrient digestion and absorption is quite efficient. But when they don't eat and they don't have the nutrients, these nice, tall, finger-like villi change to fat, thick, tongue-like villi. So the surface area over which to absorb nutrients is reduced. And because they're thicker, the efficiency of that nutrient absorption and digestion is reduced. So in effect, you have a multiplying effect. They're not eating enough, but then that efficiency of nutrient digestion and absorption is reduced. So that gives you your poor growth performance. And that's when we also see this increased susceptibility or incidence to post-weaning diarrhea. So anything that we can do to optimise gut health in those early days is really critical to the whole functionality um, of that young piglet and will have an impact on subsequent health and performance. Um, a recent study actually said that producers experiencing an issue with post-weaning diarrhea, which is normally due to enterotoxigenic E. coli, costs about $680 per year. And in the present financial climate, that, that's money that our producers can't afford to lose. Do piglets have very specific needs to establish good gut health and functions and to limit disease? 
First, that early, early life nutrition is critical. The only thing I would add is that 70% of the immune system tissues are found in the gastrointestinal tract. So I think that helps to put it into context as to how important gut health is, because obviously 70% of the immune system cells are, are based in the gut. If it's not going to work properly, then you are going to see increased disease, um, mortality, morbidity, things like that. In a swine market without zinc oxide, what are some nutritional approaches that could be used to potentially reduce the incidence of post-weaning diarrhea? So there's, there's a number of things that you can look at. There's obviously nutrition management and health, but if we just focus on, on nutrition, uh, we can adjust the diet composition. Um, so, for example, we're looking at feeding lower crude protein levels, and the aim of that is to reduce the amount of undigested protein reaching the large intestine. So that reduces the incidence of post-weaning diarrhea and improves intestinal health. We can increase the dietary fibre level post-weaning. That helps to reduce um, shedding. It also affects the retention time of digester along the gastrointestinal tract. You can use things like organic acids, acid secretion in the gut of the piglet. It takes time to adapt to those dry solid diets. So if we can add acids, it, that helps to promote good gastrointestinal conditions, enhances digestion, and helps to reduce um, post-weaning diarrhea. Well, Dr. Taylor Picard, what is your recommended nutritional approach for these early nursery diets? I think it's important that we understand that there isn't a silver bullet to removing zinc oxide from diets. We've done a lot of work in this area. You have to take a holistic approach. I would always start with the cell. Um, if we can clean the sow up, and when I say that, I mean, um, for example, we've been feeding some of our technologies to the sows so that we can reduce the pathogen load in the sow. So that, in turn, reduces the maternal transfer of pathogens to that baby pig, both in utero and at birth. And that also influences the microbiome or the microflora of that baby pig at birth. So you're, as soon as it's born, it's got the favorable microorganisms that we want and you've got a better gut microflora. We also see things like increased colostrum quantity, increased colostrum quality, so higher levels of immunoglobulin, so you're getting better passive transfer of immunity to that baby pig. So we typically see less infections, less pre-weaning mortality, higher weaning weights. Look at the creep feeding, make sure that we're trying to get at least 200 grams of creep feeding to that baby pig whilst it's still suckling the sound because that also aids the transition to those solid diets because it's used to, to eating solid diets. And that further helps to get that higher weight at weaning. So when the piglets are older or heavier at weaning, it makes that whole post-weaning transition process a lot easier. Typically, a lot of our producers forget about water. So we do spend time looking at water quality, water flow rate to make sure that they drink, because if piglets drink, they will then eat. So that helps to get the pigs eating. And a lot of the problem with the post-weaning growth check is the fact that the pigs don't eat. So if we can get them to eat, um, it does have a huge impact. We need to look at things like vaccination programs, biosecurity and hygiene, and looking at any stress factors in the environment. So as I say, it really is a holistic approach. You have to look at everything. And the earlier you can start it, so as I say, for me, start with the sow, the better chances you have of getting that piglet through that post-weaning growth check period. What about insoluble fibers such as oat and soybean hulls, wheat bran, wheat middlings? 
Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis on uh, fibre at the moment. So we know that dietary fibre can improve gut health, it promotes bacterial communities and increases hang-up fermentation. If we increase hang-up fermentation, you can prevent diarrhoea and disease. So if we look specifically at the insoluble fibre sources that you just mentioned, these are relatively resistant to fermentation in the hindgut. They accelerate the passage rate of the digester. So that prevents proliferation and colonisation of pathogens. So yes, there's a huge role for insoluble fibre sources in post-weaning diets to help us to reduce the incidence of post-weaning diarrhoea. How do you think this ban on zinc oxide will affect pig-producing countries outside of the EU? For example, do you anticipate future regulatory restrictions on the use of zinc oxide in the U.S.? Absolutely. And if we look at at some of the things that are already happening, if we start with Canada, for example, until recently, they've typically included zinc oxide at between 2,500 to 5,000 ppm. But Canada is now in the process of imposing similar restrictions to that of the EU. Um, and they will lower their levels, we're thinking, to around 350 ppm. China actually reduced their levels in 2018. They were used in around 2,200 ppm, and they dropped it to 1,600. So not quite at the level that we're at, so still quite high. Uh, but I know that they're looking to Europe again with a view uh, to reducing it even more. For the United States and for some Asian countries, it's definitely not the case of if, it's a case of when, and it's very clear that they're watching Europe to see what happens. So it will definitely come into place. Um, as I say, it's just a case of, of, of when and not, not if. Alltech has a seed feed weed solution that can help remove zinc oxide from piglet diets. Tell us about that approach. So as we've talked about, you know, healthy gut is really important with a good microbial population that allows us to maximise health and lifetime performance of pigs and obviously to help our producers be profitable. Therefore, that's why we look at nutritional strategies that can promote gut health. And that's one of the things that's our core competency on the the monogastric side. So the sea feed weed concept is is one of our gut health programmes and it's designed to modify the gut microbial population. So we're looking at establishing a more diverse and favourable microbial population as quickly as possible after birth. So we work with pig producers to implement the seed feed weed programme, and it's basically got three components. The first one is seeding the gut with favourable organisms to give us good performance. We then feed those favourable organisms, which helps to further create a favourable environment, which provides a competitive advantage to those favourable organisms. They're tolerant to acidic environments, unlike pathogens. So you're you're tipping the balance towards the good guys, the favourable bacteria. And then finally, using the atrogen, we weed out the unfavourable bacteria by selective exclusion. So it incorporates natural feed materials, for example, atrogen, that are proven to maintain a healthy gut, support the normalising of gut microflora, both cows and piglets. And as I mentioned earlier, maternal gut health of the sire is intrinsically linked to that of the offspring, which again is why I would always start uh, with the sire. So it, it's all about getting the piglets off to the best possible start. But sea feed weed is just that it, it's seeding the gut with favourable organisms, it's feeding those favourable organisms, and it's weeding out the unfavourable or the bad organisms. All right, we've been talking with Jules Taylor Picard, Director of Alltech Gut Health Management. We thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tom, and thank you for, for having me. 
And for Ag Future, I'm Tom Martin. Thanks for listening. This has been Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Future wherever you listen to podcasts.